All right, people, you are now tuned in to Peeps Creek, the Double Entendre podcast. This is your host, Sean, and today I am joined by my friend, Jose. Say hello to the people, Jose. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Oh, my God, you sound drunk still. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is episode 11. Episode 11 is called On the Basis of, and you'll know why once we begin the topics for today's podcast. Um... Here at Peach Creek, you know we always have something in our mug, and today we are drinking, well technically we're both drinking something separate. Jose, what are you drinking over there? Water. H2O. <laughs> you, you're in recovery mode? <laughs> you're still in recovery yep. mode from yesterday? Still drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and I am drinking kombucha. Kombucha is an organic and raw probiotic drink is very healthy got it from one of the health stores anyway that's what i'm drinking on today and so sit back join in in the conversation get you some water get you some tea get you some orange juice get you some pop that is soda or if you're over the age of 21 you can certainly get you an alcoholic beverage but you don't have to Make sure that you tune in, subscribe, rate on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we are going into the episode. All right. So for the first on the basis of topic, we are talking about voting. But more importantly, not specifically in regards to politics per se, um, but having the ability to vote. All right, so you know that the Constitution, at least Jose, um, the Constitution subscribes or gives individuals the ability to vote. The 15th Amendment gave African Americans the right to vote. The 19th Suffrage Act um, Amendment gave women the right to vote. However, um, a lot of people have argued that voting is a constitutional right, right? It's a, a right that can't be a bridge. Um, and that is accurate to a point. I mean, the fact of the matter is that, for instance, the 15th Amendment talks about um, not having that right a bridge on the basis of race and blah, 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 right? Because of some protected basis. Um, but it does not say anything about whether or not you are a felon or whether or not you, the states have a bridge that right for some other particular reason other than um race and so a lot of folks are having discussion recently particularly because we have like what 20 people probably 30 i don't know <laughs> <Lost count. laughs> so many people putting their hat in on the democratic side um to say that they are um running for president of these united states of america and um, Bernie Sanders, um, he has a platform out there. It's, you should go and read it. It's a long platform. But one of his issues that he is running on is the fact that there should be automatic restoration of the right to vote for individuals who completed their um, sentence for whatever reason um, or they paid their um, restitution. Jose, what do you generally think about this whole concept? Mm, so, I guess there's two different points here. Um, the question is whether individuals who are felons, current fel or I guess current incarcerated uh, prisoners, should be allowed to vote when they're serving their time. That's one group. And then the second group would be whether those individuals can vote after they serve their time and they go through some uh, rehabilitation program. Uh, so I guess those are two different categories that we need to kind of think about. 
or look at them. Um, I support allowing or giving those individuals that serve their time and come out and they go through a program. Um, I I think that they should be allowed to vote after that, after they you know serve the time, do the program, and then they you know the right is reinstated per se. But for those people that are currently serving time, mm -mm. sorry. So, but uh, fundamentally, I think the the conversation is broader than that. I mean, it's not just that. I, at least for me, um, I think I was listening to a podcast actually the other day, um, and. Cory Booker was on there, um, and he was pretty much responding to um, Bernie Sanders' take on restoration of the right to vote. And one of the things that he mentioned, and I wholeheartedly concur with and agree, is that you can't just talk about the right to vote without talking about truly reforming the criminal justice program and system as a whole. Um, because fundamentally, um, statistics show that there are a large number of individuals who are actually incarcerated right now for crimes for which they did not commit. So why are we taking away the right to vote from those individuals um, when the system failed them? Now, the question becomes, well, how do you realistically um, navigate through that? Is it based upon the level of crime? Let's just say, for instance, if there was some kind of amendment or if states were to start allowing individuals who are currently incarcerated to participate in the elections, how would that work? Um, could you see a system where individuals who are actually in incarcerated would be able to vote in a national or local election? So t to me, I still take my more narrow conservative view, which I didn't even know was a conservative, but my my thinking is, um, sure, and, and I agree, there are a lot of people who have, who are currently incarcerated uh, for a crime that they never committed, let's say. And then now, especially with DNA, you know, evidence or, um, what do you call it, DNA science or analysis not being available back then, and now it is, you know, some people are being able to appeal their, um, incarceration and then get out but but even then i mean i i think that my point is well it's not like they've been charged with a crime and they were, they were put in prison i mean they've been given their due process they went through a trial they lost they're in prison so i mean I, but I, a lot I, of people are ramroad through the system right right no and i'm not saying they're not i agree i mean i've seen it i, I get that but it's not like they were just like picked up and put in prison in prison right like they've they've gone through the process and unfortunately you know, like you said, maybe the system is rigged, maybe it's not, I don't know. But even if it is, you know, they've been judged by their peers, now they're in prison. So because they went through that legal process and now they've been, um, you know, they, they were convicted of a crime, uh, legally convicted of a crime, they're in prison, that right to vote should be uh, taken away from them. And my reason- But why, be, why, no, right. why, why? Right, no, right, and I, and I thought about that. I was like, well, you know, and I guess the examples that I was seeing or the articles that I was reading, you know, if you think about like manslaughter or killing someone, uh, you know, which is like the biggest crime or the most heinous crime. I mean, I'm not, not everyone's going to kill someone and then go to prison. Sometimes you just, you know, commit fraud and then you end up in prison, right? It's not a physical. Or you sell a bad a marijuana. Right. 
Right. I mean, right. so yeah, they catch you like so many times, and you go to you go to jail. So it's not like you know you have different levels of crimes. But I mean, I think that committing that crime, even if it's if it's not a physical crime like murdering someone, committing fraud, and you know selling drugs or illegal drugs. I mean, there's some mental. Um, how do you call it? Um, I guess. I don't want to say there's something wrong with those people, but there's there's like a mental um, imbalance for those people. I mean, you just don't kill someone. So if if the assumption is well, they they have some sort of mental imbalance, uh, hence why they committed the you know which may explain why they committed the crime, and they've been convicted of that crime, then more, they shouldn't be allowed to vote because their mental state is not fully there does that make sense no it does not make sense i mean i know it doesn't make sense uh, to you but does my point make sense no it does not it does make sense well you asked me a question and i'm going to tell you why so um so for me i guess i don't see the distinction because there are certified crazy motherfuckers walking Mm -hmm. around on the street now right who can vote and so their mental state are, I, I would say is more in question than maybe someone who committed a crime because just because you committed a crime a doesn't necessarily mean that you have some kind of Im- mental issue now whether or not you have the moral turpitude that's a little different right but what does being able to participate in the electorate process have to do with the crime I mean why if you are locked up right you are that freedom is taken away the freedom to come and go as you please but a lot of these people who are in prison a lot of the local policies that got them where they are right um can only sometimes be taken care of through the electoral process so why shouldn't their vote be heard in a local election in regards to to issues i i just don't i i don't know i i don't see what the issue is well, I, I think it's more of a process. How do you effectively put a system in place that will allow these individuals who are in prison to vote? But I mean, right now, people in prison they have iPads. They are FaceTiming and video chatting with family and friends because technological advancements have improved. Um, and I, I don't know. I just don't see why the taking away the vote it's seen as a deterrent other well, than you're just saying you're you you're not a good citizen i, I, I just no, don't no, know I, I get i mean i guess that's one reason that i have I, I agree you know my neighbor could be fucking crazy right and even people that we you know deal with on a daily basis might be fucking crazy and you know what differentiates that person from someone who's been you know allegedly committed a crime and then it's been incarcerated right it could be the same mental state or you know maybe the one who's out has a even more um you know worse mental state than the person who's in, in, in jail but so that's one reason the second reason that i have is you cannot expect to if these people at least you know in, in the eyes of the law they broke a law they should not be allowed to put their two cents in creating new laws I mean, yeah, sure, you know, you're looking at, well, fine, you know, I think you're looking at more at a, at a more narrow view where, well, can they, should they be allowed to vote for the president? Okay, that's one thing. But whenever you look, you vote for like, um, uh, let's say the state, state issues, like state governors, um, 
or you know you'll see on the ballot like different laws that are going to go into effect depending on the district that you're voting on so it, they shouldn't be allowed to you know amend the constitution of the state if, it, if they cannot even abide by the most basic laws so it, fundamentally i think i hear you say that um taking away the right to vote you see it more as a deterrent issue right right so For that moment because if they have been if they have been incarcerated for the period of time that they're in jail they should not be allowed to vote now when they during get the out, time that they're in prison but once they get out they go through a rehab program uh which a lot of you know uh i guess individuals do once they get out of jail to kind of like assimilate within society once they get once they get out uh, assimilate is the wrong word but um then at that point they should you know their rights should be reinstated even at the moment that they get out i mean because they've served their time one year five years ten years whatever it is and then that right should be reinstated because they learned their lesson but i mean i don't have any pity for someone who kills someone and or someone else and then now they're voting for you know something that could be impact me in the future they made their choice and then they have to suffer the consequences okay so let's see uh, i i mean i hear your point i you know i i struggle i think for me i'm not sure taking away the right to vote is a deterrent i don't think people are being in prison and sitting in prison and saying shit i can't vote on november the 4th or 5th or wherever the hell the date is or shit i can't vote for my local school district um superintendent i don't think it serves a deterrent i think it's stupid i think it's a waste of time i think administratively um it's a waste of time and it creates a funneled process of disenfranchising um brown and black folks because statistically those are the individuals who are in prison and statistically those are individuals who are more prone to vote democratic and so statistically those are more individuals who may be able to get out and get the vote and get more democratic folks in the office so that more social policies and changes can occur so for me fundamentally i just think it's a systematic racial um injustice period so okay. uh, as a whole now go, go ahead i guess i just had a question so why do you think that they should be allowed to vote whenever they're serving their time what's your reason behind that well besides you know i i, I just don't i just don't think the right to vote taking away the right to vote is effective so let me just stand from from a pure system uh our 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 penal system, right, mm-hmm. is built upon, upon this whole process of being rehabilitative, right? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be able to go to prison, rehabilitate, and be, come back as a, a better person to participate in the citizens, uh, as a citizen, right? That's, that's the process. Yeah. But we don't do that. Our systems are not rehabilitative. It's more penal. penal. Right. And so taking away the right to vote is ineffective. I just don't think it's effective. Now well, it's effective I'm, because they sh- if they broke a law, they should not be allowed to make new laws or you know put their hat in in, in the race or something. I mean, they just shouldn't. That's the reason behind that. That they broke the law, they shouldn't be allowed to essentially ultimately create new laws. Okay, so I hear what you're saying. I, I, I and we will never agree on this, and that's fine. That's that's part of us having our difference of opinion, but. I guess I'm not necessarily, let me make this clear. 
I think from an administrative standpoint, it's going to be difficult to allow people who are currently in prison to vote. And unless there is some kind of system that will allow them to do that within the four walls of that prison. Okay. What I'm saying is taking the way the right to vote away is is not a deterrent. It creates more of an administrative burden on states. It's done in such a way that it disenfranchises a whole group of folks, even when they come out. Because the reality is, is that a lot of states have a lot of processes that you have to follow in order to get the right to vote back restored. And so I think I am more of the fundamental perspective of the right to vote should not be affected, period. But these folks may can't vote, right? May not be able to vote because just from the aspect of their freedom being taken away, the ability to get up, walk across the street, and go to a polling place, that's taken away. So I just don't think administratively it's effective to say your right to vote has been taken away from you and the only way that you can get it restored is to follow this, that, and the third. Because a lot of people are not going to do that. And a lot of the folks are poor, poor, black, brown folks. And when they come out, they're not participating in the electorate. Um, And, you know, it's a lot of folks have to pay thousands and thousands of dollars in restitution but they're not working in in prison and if they are working they're working for 20 cents an hour so i just think at the end of the day there needs to be i am strongly for immediate restoration as soon as your your last day of serving time fair my view is they shouldn't once they get out they get it back simple as that okay but what about the whole what about my whole argument about the administrative burden of trying to get it back you don't think that's an issue no i mean i'm not really i mean they, they'll figure it out essentially like you know administrative not for them but administrative for the state no you mean? for the for the person who who is trying to get their right to vote restored i mean we don't know whether it's it's a burden or not we don't even know whether they were voting before they went to jail we don't even know whether they're interested in voting when they're in jail. So I don't know what, you know, saying what's well, going to be administrative burden or quote unquote hard for them to actually get that right back. I mean, we don't know that because, I mean, it hasn't even only two states allow um, Maine and Vermont allow uh, inmates to vote. But I mean, we don't know how how as difficult it is for these inmates once they get out to actually, you know, get that right back. I mean, do they have to like pay a fee? Do they have to like, you know, fill out all these forms? I don't know. Um, do they even want to do that in the first place? You know, because like you said, a lot of these people who are incarcerated, they're going to be minorities, disadvantaged individuals. So the last thing they want to do, the last thing that they're worrying about is, you know, do I have my right to vote back? They're probably worrying about where am I going to go to sleep? You know, where's my family? Do I have money? You know, do have a roof to to go at the end of the day. And I think that goes straight to my point that no. those issues are more important for them to be considering and thinking about versus having to go through a, all this rigor more in order to get your right to vote restored. If you wouldn't have touched the right to vote, period. Right. That would be less of an issue that they need to be focused on. I, I don't think that they sh- the individuals themselves should be required to do anything other than whatever they, they need to do once they get out of prison. I'm sure they have to sign a form 
to acknowledge that. Well, yeah, I'm every state out. is different. So there but, are. Well, I don't know. There, there are some states that require you to pay restitution or pay an administrative fee in order to go and get it restored you have to go some states require you to travel to the actual state in order to do it's just a lot of stuff that people just well i know i was gonna say i don't think that they should be required to do anything else other than just once they get out it's restored it should be okay so we agree it should be the burden of the state once they deal with the process of processing that person whenever they're leaving prison that whole right issue should be part of the paperwork that they sign and automatically it should be reinstated the individuals to reduce this burden shouldn't have to do anything all right all right well i i i appreciate your your candid now i am running approach. for office <laughs> you won't get my vote shit i'll be out there campaigning against you whatever let these people vote if maine if maine and vermont of all states because there's nothing going on over there maine and vermont can make it happen all states should allow a process in which minimally There's to like allow these people, people to, to vote <laughs> in presidential elections. But anyway, I digress. Now, moving on to the next topic on the basis of sex. So the United States Supreme Court, for those of you who don't know, who that is that's the highest court of the land. That's where nine justices sit and determine whether or not a law is constitutional or not. Um, And so they have decided to take up three particular cases that deals with the LGBT is it plus or Q? What is it? LGBTQ plus. Plus community. Um, In essence, Title VII, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And before we begin with this conversation, let me give this disclaimer. We will be talking about some legal principles here and maybe some legal cases and some legal theories. Okay, We are not giving any kind of legal advice. This is simply us having a conversation and giving our views and opinions on the issue. But this can no way, shape or form be construed as providing legal advice. All right. Now that that disclaimer is out the way. Or to express our views on any specific issue, just in case we may have a legal case. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Supreme Court is taking up three cases. So Jose, you want to? Um, is there an order of the cases you want to quickly talk about? No, I think just give people a little bit of background. I can do that. So. Uh, and you started talking about Title VII. So Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, uh, it essentially protects individuals, employees, from discrimination in the workplace. And they're protected from the, from the workplace based on their what, they're, what is called protected category. Title VII protects individuals on the basis of sex, race, national origin, color, religion, and that's it. Yes. You talking about Americans with Disability Act and all that? <laughs> We're not talking about that. This case is strictly on the basis I of. I was trying to let them. That's know okay. That you you acting like you still a law school trying to be a gunner and get some extra <laughs> points. Not going to happen. All right. Now, so at the heart of these three cases is whether or not Title Seven, where it says that the, a employers should not discriminate on the basis of, it gives all these different things. But one of the bases is sex. Okay. Question for the court is whether or not sex 
includes sexual orientation and gender gender identity. Those are the issues that's currently before the court. So let's start with um, the um, Donald Zarda case. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name or not. But Donald Zarda, that's Z-A-R-D-A versus Altitude. Um, basically what happened was is that Donald Zalder, who is deceased due to an accident, um, at any rate, he was doing like skydiving and had to be, what is it called when you are connected to the person? Um, I've never done it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, essentially, he's the individual who's behind you when you're jumping off, right? Okay. Um, and because he had to be tethered to these individuals, um, he was gay. He, he identified as being gay. And so, the, essentially what happened is, is that there was a situation where he, the facts are, he allegedly would tell females who he had to be tethered to that he was gay. So, because there was, there was closeness between him and the, the female customer, he did not want them to feel that he was sexually harassing them or touching them inappropriately, okay? These are the facts that's presented to the court. I cast no judgment on these facts. <laughs> the lady... A lady customer had at one point accused him of sexually touching her inappropriately. She told her boyfriend, the boyfriend came and spoke to the manager. The manager um, ultimately fired Donald or Mr. Zarda, okay? Now, there's a dispute as to when he told her this, um, that he was gay. He says he told her right before they were tethered and left to do whatever they need to do for the skydiving. She said he didn't say this until after she complained okay anyway the court uh, the employer fired him terminated him because of his sexual orientation basically right mm -hmm. um he sued the lower court um denied his claim pretty much threw it out he appealed to a court of appeals and for those who don't know that is court of appeals is a second level um of review for for judges it goes district courts federally is district courts court of appeals and then the supreme court the sixth circuit um is where he went to and they actually reversed and said um initially they affirmed it meaning that they agree with the lower court then there was an unbank um hearing basically what what that means is um the entire court said look we need to sit listen to this case and decide this case because typically again. a court of appeal again because court of appeals normally is before three judges but the entire panel that means all the judges for the sixth circuit set and they ultimately determined that there is no way that you can remove um there's no way in which a, an employment decision can be made based upon a, a person's sexual orientation without taking into consideration one in some form, shape, or fashion, sex. So basically what they said was Title VII, Title VII on the basis of sex includes sexual orientation. And so therefore, um, his Title VII claim should go through, right? You agree yep. with those facts? Yep. All right. Um, the, employ the employer did not like that. They appealed to the petition to the Supreme Court. Um, and, you know, the Supreme Court does not have to take your case. Um, they ultimately can determine not to take your case. Um, so that was the first case. Um, the second case was um, Boystock versus Clayton County. Um, Boystock versus Clayton County was an individual 
and Georgia, um, a gay male who had stellar performance reviews all the time that he worked for the county. Um, he ultimately joined a LGBT sporting um, recreational sport thing called Hotland or something. I don't know. <laughs> that was the name of the group. It, like the softball, football, something, whatever. He joined that. He recommended to some of his teammates to volunteer for the, this organization that he worked for. Um, ultimately, what happened is, is that the allegations are that once the employer found out that he was part of this Hotlanta recreational sport <laughs> <laughs> club, um, that there were some disparaging comments made about him, about his sexuality, and there was a, an audit or whatever um, conducted on his finances that he was using under the program. Ultimately, that led to his termination. Um, he took sued his employer. The lower court said basically, yeah, Title VII does not include sexual orientation. You don't have a case through it out. He appealed to the 11th Circuit. The 11th Circuit said, yeah, nah, bruh, we already decided um, <laughs> that sexual orientation is not covered. Um, under Title VII, you don't have a case. So they affirmed the lower court's opinion. He petitioned to the Supreme Court. That's the second case that's currently pending. And the third case I'm going to let you talk about, that is the funeral home. Do you remember that case? That's really. the Stevenson case. I just remember that uh, she used to, well, she, yeah, she, it's a transgender individual. Um, she used to be a male. She was working for this funeral home. And uh, one day she sent a letter, or she gave a letter to her employer, uh, letting the employer know that she was going to start dressing up as a female, uh, and that she was going to start, you know, I guess, uh, I think the term is transitioning to uh, female, uh, moving forward. So the employer got the letter, and he said, okay. Actually, literally, he said, okay. And he put, put it away, and she did. She started dressing up as a female, and ultimately, the employer didn't like it, and she ended up being fired. Uh, and interestingly, they terminated her because she violated, the, well, they claimed that by her being, a, a, I guess, genetically a male and dressing up as a female, that she violated the company's policy, dress code policy, because she was not conforming to um, gender identities uh, pursuant to the policy. So she got fired. She ended up suing. The lower court said, nope, you're not protected. Then the court of appeals said, uh, yes, you are, because you cannot separate sex from transgender status because they're so intertwined. I mean, you're, you know, because of your sex that you currently have, uh, you're choosing another sex. We're uh, not choosing, but you're deciding to transition to another sex. So you cannot separate on the basis of sex from uh, being trans transgender. So, the Court of Appeals said, yes, you are protected. The employer didn't like it, and they, they appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, another one. So they ended up taking it. So now you have three cases that the, court of, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to um, make a decision on. They did accept uh, all three petitions. They already had arguments, I believe, right? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, but they at least accepted them and they will, you know, eventually they will make a decision unless Congress intervenes, which they have sort of, 
uh, they've introduced at the federal level, Congress introduced the bill. I think it's still at the House. Uh, I think it's the Fair Fairness Act or Fair. No idea. Yeah, it's a, I think it's the Fairness Act, uh, where essentially they're in, they're trying to amend Title VII to explicitly allow protection in the in the workplace towards um, based on, on, on gender or in, I guess sexual orientation, gender identity, and uh, there's another one that, that I forgot. Okay, so let's. On the basis of sex, so what's your thought? Does it include sexual orientation um, currently, Title VII, um, and does it include gender identity? What's your thought? My my view is that it doesn't include it. It I, does not. I, it doesn't. I think that it should, but at least based on um, you know just looking at case law, whatever whatever it is right now, because you know you you have the law saying just you cannot discriminate because of sex, but it doesn't. It only defines sex, you know. I don't even think it defines sex in the statute. No, it doesn't. Uh, but it's male or female, and you know, just looking at the case law right now, you know, it doesn't include it. But uh, okay, put aside what the case law is. Mm-hmm. My my question is, do you think the terms on the basis of sex naturally includes sexual orientation or gender identity? I think that it does. Yes, it okay. should. All right. Yes. So, um, and why do you think that? Because, I mean, and I think the the funeral case, uh, they really, I guess, they really explain how you cannot separate sex from sexual orientation gender, and gender identity. Because an individual is not necessarily making a decision um, to, you know, be gay from one day to the other. And even if you know some people might choose to do that, they're still making that decision because of you know their sex. Uh, so there's no way to separate one from the other. So I think that on the basis of sex also includes sexual orientation and gender identity. Okay. Um, for me, I, I mean, I, I I just guess I agree as well. I. I because if you look at the statute, you look at the legislative history. First of all, there is not any, there is scant le- legislative history on what Congress meant by the term sex, right? Oh, and as a side note, the only reason sex ultimately made it to the statute is because um, back in 1964, um, it was an afterthought. No, it, was, it wasn't even, was, I, my understanding was that they put protection towards females. That was the whole idea that they put on the basis of sex to cover females with the intention that by doing that, that the bill wouldn't pass in the first place. Right. It, it, right. it was an afterthought. They didn't want it to pass, period. They didn't want it to pass, right. Yes. So mm-hmm. that's the only legislative... I mean, it, there's no legislative history on it because they put it at the very end right. hoping that, you know, it wasn't going it was, it was to be vetoed or, you know, like, a struck. Right. Um, so... I, I don't know. I, I, I guess for me, my perspective is that naturally, I agree with you. There's no way to separate it um, between um, gender identity, sexual orientation without sp- specifically talking about sex, right? Whether or not a person conforms with being male or female, right? There is also like stereotyping that is covered under Title right. VII. The statute doesn't talk about st- um, stereotyping gender stereotyping but the supreme court has 
determined that it does include that that's you know if i don't believe that you man enough and i make comments against that based upon the fact that i feel like you weak or what have you <laughs> um <laughs> you know that could potentially be covered under title seven the supreme court has already articulated that same sex harassment i you know someone harass you um make sexual comments towards you or you know says things inappropriately because of your gender whatever that's covered the supreme mm-hmm. court has already determined that sexual harassment we know about the whole me too movement right that's major um these last couple of years that is covered um so i just don't know how you would distinguish it there are folks who say well it's not because the fact that you're male it's not because of the fact that you're female it's because morally i just don't agree with it and you know your sexual orientation and your gender created by god you know it should you know you you were born male you should stay a male you're born female you should stay a female um, some people just have aversion to people having a preference with the same sex or multiple sexes, <laughs> whatever. But at the heart of all of that, I just still think there's no way to separate fundamentally about on the basis of sex. It's either because you choose to sleep with a man and you're a man, you choose to sleep with a woman, you're a woman, you choose to sleep with both men and women. Um, all of that is based upon sex. And it, just in the the term of the word. Now they could have used gender in the statute, but they didn't. They used the term sex. Um, they could have said male and female. They didn't. They used the word sex. Um, and so I just think there's no way to separate the two for coverage. And we should point out to the fact that this is only talking about federal law. There are many states. I think about 22 states and the District of Columbia, who expressly have statutes on the books that expressly protect individuals based upon sexual orientation, gender identity, and things of that nature. Um, so, wherever you listen, and check out your state and find out. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes. I know a lot of people probably think you know conservatives are going to the conservative judges which are five are going to say yeah nah bruh it don't include it uh, <laughs> and then the four uh, more liberal justice leaning justices more likely would say that it include but you never know um it, it's it's a very touchy subject but interesting enough the eeoc the equal employment opportunity commission which is the agency that is responsible for enforcing title seven they sued they are the ones who actually sued the funeral home saying that title seven includes sex right i mean sexual orientation covers sexual orientation and gender identity but interesting enough um the department of justice who absolutely has to represent the equal employment opportunity commission before the supreme court has changed its position and said that title seven does not include so it is going to be interesting and you know it's all about ties back to unfortunately politics whatever administration is in the office tends to you know run you know run with whatever their moral or whatever their opinions are on the issue yeah their view so anyway it's going to be interesting anything else you want to say about that no I just I I'm just interested to find out later um you know how this if the supreme court or even congress says that gender identity and sexual orientation is included as part of sex um i'm interested to find out how you know how many charges of discrimination are going to be filed with the eoc how those are going to be litigated 
I think that's gonna be pretty interesting because you know nowadays you can just make one comment that you know you know just using the word gay for instance I mean it's not as I mean I don't I don't think it's derogatory but you know maybe it's used around very often right um, and that may spark litigation because someone may not like it and you know employers are gonna have a tough time dealing with that that's true. I it's going to be interesting, particularly on the federal federal level, to see how that um, actually play out. But right. we will see yep. once the oral arguments are had. All right, and so we are going to turn to our final topic on the basis of citizenship. citizenship. All right. So <laughs> for those of you who don't know, in twenty twenty, right 20. next year, um, the census yep. is. Um, going to happen and um, this year Wilbur Ross that he's like 903 years old isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he, he what is he over which department again he's the commerce secretary mm-hmm. so Wilbur Ross is wanting on the short form that's you know the Constitution says that, you know, every so many years, 10 years, years, that there needs to be an accounting, right, of the people in the country. It doesn't necessarily say anything about whether or not they're citizens, right? And why? And the reason being is that based upon those numbers is how the the House of Representatives, um, the numbers are associated per state. So, um, you know, if there are more people in your state, then more than likely they may get more um, um, more representatives in the House of, of Representatives in Congress, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all up connected to um, representation for the particular states, right? right? All right. And funding and all that. And funding as well. States um, who receive federal funding, it's based upon um, how many citizens are currently in that particular state. So there was fin- there's fundamentally an issue um, and actually, the Supreme Court, who we just talked about, they just heard oral arguments on this case. I actually listened to the oral arguments. Um, it was very interesting to see. But ultimately, what happens is, is that um, River Ross this year wants to add a question on the census to determine whether or not you are a citizen. And what is the issue with that, Jose? What is Why are people up in arms about that question? Because the whole theory is that if you ask if you start asking this question then it's going to deter um, individuals not to participate in the census especially illegal immigrants um, and so that's the main reason and uh, I, I, I remember when the census happened back in I don't know 2000 I think it was 2003 10 years ago boys 2000 no, oh 2010 it's the every one, 10 be, years. The one before then. So what? Two thousand. Right in two thousand. It was two thousand. Um, yeah, I remember when they came knocking Basic on my math. <laughs> I don't do math. Uh, they came knocking on my door, and I remember that you know we went through the questions, the questionnaire. Um, it was pretty interesting to to do that. Um, but yeah, so the reason that um, people are challenging that, including the question of citizenship in, in the form, is because. They think uh, that it's going to deter 
especially illegal immigrants from um, participating in the census, which will result in less people being counted, which would also result in the state receiving less funding from the federal government and less representation at the federal level in Congress. And what should, do you have an opinion on that one way or the other? Yeah, I don't think it should be included. There's, you know, if the whole idea is count the people in the state to determine what, you know, how much money you get and representation, then that's, there's really no purpose of having the question of citizenship in it. Uh, I mean, there's other ways to obtain that information than the census. Um, so yeah, my opinion is it shouldn't be included in it. It does no, it has no purpose or yeah, it has no purpose for the intended purpose of the form itself, for the census itself. Um, so I was actually trying to pull up the part in the constitution that talks about it, but it, it does not say anything about citizenship. I, I am aware of that. Um, but interesting enough, what I found from listening to the oral arguments was this, Wilbur Ross, um, well, first of all, we all know that this administration has a hard-on for um, immigration, right? It's, if it's not one national disaster, it's another, right? <laughs> Based upon immigration and what is deemed in currently as the black plague of this country, illegal immigration, right? That's not my view. Um, and so what happened was is that Wilbur Ross initially said he came in and said look i want this basically i want this on the short form census um for the the 2020 census to determine whether or not you are a citizen and he went to the department of justice the department of justice was like yeah nah we don't need that right <laughs> then <laughs> he went to the department of homeland security asked them hey do you think you need any information about um the census they were like yeah nah, nah. we don't need it mm-mm not at all. He went back to the Department of Justice and was like, okay, well, I'm going to essentially communicate with the Attorney General. At that time, we know who the Attorney General was. It was Jeff Sessions. Yeah, yeah. Um, He went to him, and then eventually what happened was the argument that DOJ articulated as to why they could support it now was because they wanted to enforce, um, use it for enforcement of the Voting Rights Act. Now, we already know that this administration don't give a shit about that Voting Rights Act other than to um, dwindle down its power. It's our, many parts of the Voting Rights Act has already been stricken down and reduced to practically nothing. Um, so they don't necessarily need, from a practical matter, they don't need that information. But more importantly is that everyone he went to, every statistician, every expert he went to his own department said, look, you put this question on there, it's going to bring back shitty results. We're not going to have anything that's accurate because people are not going to respond or if they're going to lie. There are other avenues in which you can get this information. You can get it from administrative records that, oh, by the way, we already possess. Um, and it's just going to be a disaster. Now, even though everyone who worked for him, everyone who's an expert in that field said, no, don't do it. He decided to do what? To do it. To do it. Yeah. So uh, do you think it's because <laughs> over here on your text messages, do you think it's because of an ill, ill reason or do you think it's really because it's a question that people should know about? No, I, it, it's definitely malicious. And even the Supreme Court, you know, the, the I guess the liberal side of the Supreme Court, they noted that. They're like, hey, you know, it seems like uh, you have the solution and you're looking for a problem here. You know, it's, there's really no reason why 
um, you should include this question for the purpose of the census, especially because the census is just to count people. Right. That's it. That's it. Uh, so I definitely think that he's doing it for a malicious purpose. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, the, the, in, the oral arguments were interesting. They actually gave it 80 minutes, which is the l- more time than typical. I think it's an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but every side, so- each side was given 40 minutes. Um, and it was very interesting to hear. So if you want to listen to that case, you should go ahead and subscribe to Orye Orye podcast. It's a good podcast anyway. You get to hear all of the oral arguments. Um, it's just strictly the oral arguments from the Supreme Court. You just hear the justices, you hear the questions, um, and you hear the, the, the lawyers making the arguments. I hope it is not allowed, um, but we're waiting on the Supreme Court to make a decision about whether or not they're going to put it on there. But it's clearly um, a contrived, at least the evidence as presented thus far, is a contrived reason to act citizenship. And for those individuals listening, I... If it is put on the census, answer the census because that is going to dictate um, who represents you in Congress. And it's estimated that about 6.3 million people may not respond because of that question. Um, and that is too high of a number um, for to allow the question to go forward. But I, I don't know. Well, we're going to find out this month because they have to start printing That's the census right. in June. That's right. People start <laughs> knocking on your door. And, and you know, the other thing is, you know, they, they also said that if you put it on there, most people are going to say yes anyway. Right. I mean, what are they going to do? Like, just I think it's just... You're going to ask for my paperwork? I mean, you right. you, you don't get no, to do that. You just answer the damn census. Yeah. If y'all lie, y'all lie. Hey, I'm not recommending you do so. We're also not giving advice. <laughs> You're not giving advice. But, <laughs> hey... Um, so anyhow, so that topics today on the basis of um, we talked about voting, mm-hmm. we talked about gender identity, sexual orientation, and then we're talking about on the basis of citizenship. Um, and so that is the episode for today. This is the 11th episode, and this is the last episode of this particular season. Season one is on the books. Um, And so I am currently in the process of working on a secondary podcast And that podcast is going to be um, stories that I am going to write I do like to write, but instead of trying to go through all this publishing stuff Because y'all not going to read anyway, motherfucker Y'all don't read (laughs) You don't even like to read over here Uh, (laughs) I I read just for you Try to get him to prepare for a podcast I literally have to put a gun to his head Uh, No (laughs) Seriously. So it's going to be um, crimes about seduction, um, um, excuse me, stories of seduction, crime, and love. Um, and it's going to be something a little different because it's going to take me out of my comfort zone because I am kind of straight laced and don't like um, talking about sex or you mean anything. Wait. Wait. I mean, wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. We're working on that, and that should be coming out soon. And all the music that you heard on the podcast was created by my brother, Crazy Drake, out of Detroit, Michigan. So shout out to him. If you need music, let me know. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for supporting season one. See ya. See ya.